We're starting from the bottom of Chav Ches Amun Beis at the two dots. So let's just go over for a moment what the Mishnah said in this case that we're going to look at today. The Mishnah was on the bottom of Chav Ches Amun Aleph, and it's talk about someone who is carrying a pitcher of water, a pitcher of water. He's walking in the street, and somehow, um, somehow he broke, somehow he broke it, and um, and because he broke it, he's doing damage with the with the water that we saw yesterday or the shards that are from the pitcher. But what, what remained to be discussed is how exactly did this pitcher break in the street? What's the case where this Tanakama is saying that it broke in the street and you're still liable? And then the dissenting view at that admission was that it depends if you had intent. Rabbi says, It depends if you had intent. We'll have to see what in the world is Rabbi Akiva talking about. Clearly Rabbi, Akiva, Rabbi Yehuda. Clearly Rabbi Yehuda is trying to be, is going to, is going to focus in on what made it break, right? That's going to be the issue. He's not going to just say, oh, if it broke in the street, if some crazy thing happened, it broke in the street, and that's how the damage happened, maybe it wouldn't be liable. The important thing coming in to remember about the sugya is that even though we say an adam is, is mu'ad la'olam, but we have a concept that uh, for an owner's gummer, Tosos tells us, perhaps unavoidable, completely unavoidable things, perhaps uh, he's okay for. He doesn't have to be liable for. So let's remember that coming in. So what is with the context that Rebhu is referring to? What circumstance? What's the case that we say, okay, this is intense. It's as if you intended to break it in the street and therefore you're liable. It's, it's, the point is not you didn't intend to break it. No one's an, an, an idiot like that. But the point is that you intended to take it down from his shoulder. So while you're taking it down, you're adjusting the slow, taking it off. That's what made you stumble from doing it. And that's when the, the pitcher smashed. So the point here that we're saying is that if you hold that someone who... Um, who stumbles in such a way is, is considered negligent, and therefore he has to pay. He has to pay from any resulting damage that would uh, would happen. So I'm going to buy it. What does that mean? The Tanakama who argued means that even though you weren't trying to take it down, so there's literally like nothing to make you stumble here. So what what was the what what made it break? If not your stumbling, what made it break? It just broke by itself. So I'm going to buy it. That would mean that Rameir was more stringent. He was saying Gerchayev. The Tanakama or assuming Rameir, even if it just uh, broke apart while it was still on your shoulder, meaning to say it seems so extreme so wild that if it just broke out of the ordinary while it was on your shoulder, meaning no action of the person, no stumbling that he did. It's not like he was bringing it down and that caused him to stumble and break. No, it just broke while he was on his shoulder and still the Tanakhama is holding him liable for anything that happened. That seems that seems too wild. So Amalei, or Baba said, yeah, even if, you know, it just fell apart by its own and, and you're only hold, holding now the handle in your, in your hand and that's it. In other words, it was, you know, like a clee, it wasn't great clee. Suddenly it's on your shoulder, boom, suddenly it just breaks apart. Part. Even if the most fluke accident occurred, the most random onus of all time occurs, and now you're left holding only the, 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 the handle, Remeyer is going to hold liable for any damage from the water or from the shards. So the says, they can't be on my onus. He's totally, he's totally onus. We don't punish the girl um, who was raped, right? Because she didn't do anything of her own, of her own fault. So if they didn't do anything of her own fault, so then, so then what's, the, uh, what's the issue over here? The person do any, didn't do anything. So maybe is only for capital offenses, but in respect to damages, one a person is chayv even if the damage was unavoidable. If you want to say that for nizakin, even ba'ines, maybe your mayor holds a person is liable. But Tanya, we've seen the brides are not like that. Nishbrak If the pitcher broke in the street and he didn't remove it. His camel fell and he didn't stand it up, and that's what caused the damage. He's not liable to pay for the damages. By the laws of man, he's not chayv. Technically, he gets off on a tour. The Gemara will explain. But 
Hashem and Shemayim will punish him. So what's the case? So the, the bride itself clears it up. agree that if he left, let's say, a knife, a stone, or a burden up on the roof where it could fall down from a normal wind, and a normal wind blew them down, of course you're liable because that's totally negligent. You should realize a normal wind could blow them off, and therefore it's considered a bar that you made. Obviously, you're liable. And this is the key line that we want. The converse here. Rameir agrees with the Rabbanon. Someone who brought up jugs to the roof that they should dry up in the sun, meaning that they were still some moist. They hadn't hardened, and he wants to put them on the sun to dry out. So if if the only thing that made them fall was it was a wind of abnormal strength that shouldn't one shouldn't have to expect to come. And that's how it damage you, Potter. You are Potter. Why? Because you're an honest. It's considered an unavoidable accident. So very good. So what do I see here? I see that the Machlokas Ramir and the Rabbanon is not talking about a case of an honest. What does it say? It says everybody agrees that if it was up on the roof and an honest type of wind blew it down, even Ramir agrees you're potter. And the Chachamim agree if it was a totally negligent one, you're chayef. They're only arguing about some sort of case where, and this is where we're trying to figure out what are they arguing about? Some sort of case where something broke in the street or you, either you're the, you're the pitcher or the camel and you could you didn't stand it up. They're Ramir's Machayef and the Chachamim are not. We're trying to figure out what is the Machlokas about. We don't know, but don't tell me that the Machlokas is about if a person is high or for owns him that come to him. That's the that's the point that the Gemara is making. So let's just recap where we are. We have a problem. Our Mishnah spoke about a case. Somebody's walking in the street. Somehow his pitcher breaks, and from that breaking, damage was damage happens. We're not sure exactly what's the case that made the pitcher break. The Gemara initially is trying to say. Because Rabbi Yehuda points out in the mission, no, it's only for broken miskavin. So the Gemara initially tries to say that Rabbi Yehuda is talking about where it broke from miskavin and made him stumble. He was trying to bring it down and made him stumble and it broke. And Rameir was saying, you're high, even if you had no, not trying to do anything, he didn't stumble, it just broke as a fluke accident, you're still higher for the damage it caused. But what the problem with that is that the Gemara proved very clearly that when an onus occurs to a person, and that's how a, a pig, uh, I'm sorry, a pit gets dug, then that, that law is that you're not liable for that. We see that very clearly from the prize. So even Rameir agrees. Let's say you put up uh, something on the on the roof and a crazy wind that's unavoidable crazy thing comes and blows it off your potter so clearly Rabbi Meir's point is not that you're high for onus for Nizakin so then what is the case how do we make heads or tails of what the case is where the pitcher broke in the street where it's doing damage where you have machlokas between Rabbi Meir and the Rabbana so the Gemara says El Amr and of course now once the Gemara is going to Allah of course if an onus happens then it breaks out of the blue it broke and you're left holding only the handle of course you would be potter so what is the case they're arguing about two different points they argue about damage that happens from the time of the fall, meaning there's one issue here about if you stumble and it breaks and you didn't have a chance to pick it up, it damaged right as it fell or right after it fell before you had a chance to pick it up, they're going to be arguing and they're going to argue about damage which happens after the fall when you have the chance to pick it up and you did not. So the Gemara is going to go through both points now. They argue about if someone who stumbles is considered negligent. Tanakama holds that one who stumbles is considered a negligent person. Stam, when you're a person and you stumble as you walk, did that come from negligence? It's an awesome question, right? Because we all see. Sometimes people like seem to stumble. Is a pshadis, he's a klutz, right? He wasn't looking carefully. He wasn't measuring his paces, whatever. He didn't pick up his feet correctly, whatever exactly was off. And that's kufa pshia. That's a negligence. So, so that's the opinion of Tanakama. So therefore, he says, a person who's walking down the street and he stumbles, not because he was moving down the stop, he stumbled and that's what made the pitcher break. So that's considered that the, the, the any damage that happens in that moment or before he has a chance to remove it, it's from his pshia. He's chayef. Amar stumbling is not considered to be negligent. He holds that. A person is not expected every second he's walking uh, to be watching his steps so well. So therefore it's considered 
is considered an ones. So that's the case where Yudah is saying that your that your pots are unless it was misgaven, unless it was deliberate. Now we understand what he's saying. You have to have intent to break it in the street. That's the point. There has to be something more than just a stumble. There's got to be something purposeful about the reason or idea of how the damage occurred is where you had a, a, a intent for it to break. So that's the first machlok as which Mishnah is speaking about. And we can understand everyone agrees bonus potter. But the question is, hagufa, stop stumbling out of the blue in the street, which makes the, your pitcher break and it did damage in the moment or out in the street before you could pick it up. That's the machlok as based upon Nizka now the Kamar brings out that there's also another hidden dispute. Pligi, another dispute. Pashtus, you learn the Kamar is really an unrelated dispute. It's a different point completely. Pligi, la they argue about something which fell. And now, and, and you have a chance to pick it up. But instead of picking it up, what do you do? Instead of picking it up, you just decide, you know what, let me just make it ownerless. I don't care about this. Let me just leave it there. And now something happens to it. So now it's a question of, is that a bar or not? So your mafkernizakum, is that a bar? That's a textbook bar. Right? You just leave something that's dangerous lying around in the street and declare it ownerless. That is a bar. That's no different than a person who digs a pit, is ownerless in the street, you're chayv. You're not liable for bar in such a way. Why are you not liable for bar in such a way? So Rashi explains that this is a Mechudashika opinion. We haven't really encountered this opinion so well yet in Baba Kama. We'll, we'll, we'll encounter it later. That the bar of the Torah is not high unless it has a specific owner. The only way to have a specific owner is that if you dug a pit in your own premises and then you allow, you dug a pit in your own yard and then you said, my, my yard should be for the Rabbim, not my pit. Pit is still mine, but it's for the Rabbim. So that's your pit where the Rabbim have access to. So there we say the Torah is Machayavi. But if you dig a pit in the street where you don't own the pit, according to this opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, it's taka, not a bar. So it's Machodesh Dekha opinion. Someone who digs a pit in the street is not Chayav. Someone who digs a pit in his yard is Chayav when he's Mafkir. Than his yard. So that's this is the second opinion. If you the holes, if I stop declare the stuff ownerless after it fell in the street and I don't pick it up, then I wouldn't be Chayav. So it's really two unrelated Machlokas. One Machlokas is when someone is walking. And he stumbles. Is that considered negligence? So something happened either from the moment that it was falling or in the moment that it fell before I could pick it up. That's going to be a machlokas if that's from my pshia. And then there's going to be another machlokas if I have a chance to pick it up and I, and I just say instead, you know what, let me declare it ownerless. Is that a bar? Ramayor says that's a bar, even though you don't own it. It's no different than digging a pit in the street, which Ramayor holds as chayv. And Rabbi says, no, you're not chayv for a pit unless you're the owner. Umi mai. Abai says, how do I know that there's two machlokas? The mission had two cases. If someone slipped on the water, A, or B was injured by a shard. Why did the mission mention both cases? I know how it's all the same. The point is you slip and you're in the stuff the contents did damage. The water usually does damage at the time of the fall. Someone who's injured by a shard after the fall. Usually we assume a person is more likely to declare the shards ownerless than the water. So therefore it's reasonable that that's the way you should learn up the mission. The, de- the water damaged either as it was falling or right after before you had a chance to pick it up. But it was still yours. That's Okay, the question of was your was your stumbling negligence, and then there's another question: the charsis, which are the the shards, which are very likely to declare ownerless. If you just said, you know what, let me just leave them in the street. I'm not going to bother taking them up. And then someone slipped over them. There'd be a as if you're chayav. Says the Gemara, and I seen some The same way Abai explained our mission with two cases: Bryce and Amitati. The Bryce, of which we brought in, was also talking about both. And Bryce spoke about a pitcher and a donkey. So we have to assume that I'm sorry, a camel. 
So we're going to talk about the case of a pitcher breaking and a camel falling, and probably also with the same two machloksim. So the Gemara says, oh, let's work it out. The pitcher is good. The pitcher can damage either as it's falling or after the falling. In terms of the camel, we understand the case um, after it fell. And you just say, you know what, I'm not bothering with the camel. But Mafkar and Aflas, so the case is he declared the carcass of the dead camel ownerless. He didn't bother picking it up. That would be the case. How could it occur at the time of the fall? Meaning what's bothering the Gemara is that the Machlokas that we had was when a human being stumbles and falls, right? So what's that got to do with the case of a camel? Snapshot, you're holding the camel and then you stumble and fall. So Archbishop by the pitcher, that's what we explained. You're holding the pitcher and you stumble and fall. Are you negligent? So so what's the case with the camel walking? Says the Mara says, going to you pass the camel through water. It was a path by the very much a riverbank that was at a lot of water. So it stumbled there. So that's the machloka. So you consider negligent for having led the animal along such a path because it wasn't able to see the surface of the path when it was walking. Hey Khitami says Mar, what's the case? You know, if there was another route he could Taking Poshe, who's negligent for not doing that. So, of course, he should be high of, that's more than just stumbling, right? Taking taking the animal on a path which is dangerous versus taking it on the safer or conservative route, that's, surf, that's certainly considered a Priya. He's Lake Atakach, and if there's no other path and he has to go, honors, then he's a, it's an unavoidable accident. That can't be negligence. That's the only path. The case is that the owner stumbled and the camel stumbled over him. <laughs> so now very good. If you're stumbling with a pshia, so then the animal stumbling is, is, is all part of your pshia. That's why you're liable for anything damages that happen in the moment. If your stumbling is not a pshia, so then, so then the camel stumbling is not part of something you're responsible for either. Okay, very good. Now, okay, so we mentioned here Machlokas Tanakam Rabbi has two issues. Damages at the time of the fall, it's Machlokas of Nizkos Pashiach, and damage after the fall, where you made it ownerless, you made it ownerless. And now the Gemara says, what did Rabbi Huda mean in light of this thing? We're saying Rabbi Huda says, B'miskaven, miskaven mafkin ozakov, by miskaven eko. Regarding the second dispute, where you were mafkin, then ozakov afterwards, Rabbi, how do we fit Rabbi Huda's statement that it depends if you had kavana? That means if you had intent to acquire the shards. That's what it means. If you had covenant to acquire the shards, you own them, and so then you're high for the pit. But if you didn't intone, if you made it ownerless, that's reviewed this point that once it fell and you're just declaring it ownerless, you're not high for it as a bar. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar, Omar, different opinion from Rabbi Lazar, the Namorah, they argue about the time of the fall. So it's mashma like he's coming to say they only argue about the first issue about about nizkal uh, poshev, but they don't argue about the second issue about if you didn't if you refrain from picking it up because you made it ownerless. So what which way? What what do they say if if, if it if you didn't bother to pick it up after the fall? What are you telling me? Potter. Everyone would say you're potter. Meaning, are you going to say everyone holds? That a bar is only something that you own. Certainly, Rameir says you're chayev because that was the case from the Paraiso, Rashi says. We can't, that's how we got clued in that there was really two machlokes in because the Paraiso spoke about a case that the pitcher broke and he didn't remove it. The camel fell, he didn't stand it up. Clearly, it's after the fall and there's a machlokes because the person um, is not bothering to pick it up. So Rameir's machayev, Elamai, what did he mean? Everyone gives her chayev, you can rub on the bachelor, the rub on the bride, said your potter. So what does he mean? There's only a machlokas with shas nefila, not la karnefila. We clearly got clued in from the bride, that there is definitely a dispute about after the nefila, if you had a chance to pick it up and you didn't. So tomorrow, Elamai, bachas nefila. What did Rabbi Lozer mean when he said there's a machlokas about damage in the fall? Af bachas nefila. It meant there's a machlokas also over there, meaning the machlokas is not only about the case of the bride, so explicitly where you didn't bother picking it up after the fall, the machlokas is also about niskal poshea. If it, at the time of the fall damage, because if you're stumbling, is it considered negligence? He's telling us exactly what Abai said, meaning he's not saying there's no dispute here. Both the Rebbe and Abai are saying the same thing, that there's two machlokes. Top of the Amin Beis, Rebbe Yochanan Amar, Rebbe Yochanan says, 
Machlokis is la'achar the nefila. So the Gemara goes through the same issue here. What does he mean to say? The whole Machlokis is la'achar the nefila. Right? He's starting from the opposite way. So what does that mean? B'shaz nefila ma'ay. Devery hakol pater. Everyone agrees, let's say, Niska lav poshea. It can't be. Rabbi Yochanan, come on. There's a Mishnah, Rabbi Yochanan quotes himself later on the, in the, where we're going to learn. Tomorrow's the Don't say the mission is only like Rameir, Rabbi Yochanan is going to make a comment later on that don't say the mission is only like the view of Rameir that Niska is Poshea. McLeod, clearly you see Rameir Machai, that Rameir does hold Niska Poshea. He does hold him liable. Maybe he means everyone knows your But then the bite of the statement that he makes later doesn't make sense. He says, Don't say the Mishnah is only right or mayor and it's called Poshea. Clearly, you see that there's an opinion of like the Rabbana and elsewhere who, dis- who hold Niska Lav Poshea. So basically, what we're saying is we know Rabbi Yochanan's statement later on that he agrees that there's a Machlokas of Niska Poshea or Lav Poshea. So what's Rabbi Yochanan saying here today that the Machlokas is only Lachar Nafila? Which way am I supposed to go? There definitely is a dispute with Shas Nafila as well. This is what Rabbi Yochanan is telling us. Listen to this point. Avada Rabbi Yochanan agrees with Machlokas about Bashas Nafila of Niska Poshea, 100%. So what does Rabbi Yochanan mean, Lachar Nafila Machlokas? This is what he's telling you. This point, until now, what have we been assuming the Machlokas was about Lachar Nefila? Maybe, maybe in order to be Chayav, Rabbi Yudah holds, you have to own a pit. You're not Chayav for a pit that you don't own. Like general law in pit. If you dig a pit in the street, you're not Chayav. So, Akhti Gemara, no. Ma'afkar nechazav dahachu the pasher abanam. This idea that your pasher, because you made it ownerless, is only here, the anasu, because you were a victim of an unavoidable accident that made the pit there to begin with. You tripped, which according to the Rabbanon is an ones, and now your thing is lying in the street. And I declare it ownerless after the bar was made through an unavoidable circumstance. There, the Rabbanon say your pater. But generally, if not my mafkin, let's say I put my rock in the street. And then I say, it's, I'm ownerless. Then chayv, they're chayv. So it's a huge shift in why the Rabbanon are pottering. Until now, we thought the Rabbanon are pottering. Stam, a rule in bar. You have to be the owner of your pit. The only way to be chayv would be like you dug a pit in your yard and then you were mafkin your yard, but not the pit. Now we're switching. No, Pshat and the Rabbanon, the Rabbanon agree. If you're negligent and you make a pit in the street, you're chayv. The Pshat and the Rabbanon here is that the making of the pit originally was through onus, because the Rabbanon lishitasam holding this kalah poshea. So if nifka kalah poshea, why is the thing, why are the shards in the street? Because the onus happened. That's what put them there. I, they're still mine, so now that I have the time to pick them up, I should pick them up as opposed to allowing them for people to stumble. The answer is, eh, I'm just leaving it. I'm being mafkir. There, the Rabbanon dying, you're not chayv. But if I have the negligence in putting it there, and then I'm mafkirit, then Avada, I'm still going to be Chayev. What a huge shift. So that's what Rabbi Yochanan is saying. What he's saying is, don't misunderstand how broad the Rabbanan's Ptura is. The Rabbanan's Ptura over here, that your Pater, out the bar because you made it ownerless. You don't own the bar. It's only because it was a bar that happened from your fall. And therefore, it would happen from an ones that had put it there. Now, if I don't pick it up, even though I could, if I declare it ownerless, I'm Pater. But generally, generally, a bar that you own, um, a bar that you own your that you don't own your chayv. It's my now the Gemara says it's machlok is about this issue. Machlok and chasa nizak of a case where someone has hazards that he leaves in the street and he makes them ownerless. Pasha we're talking about now. We put it in a, in a deliberately. A person deliberately puts something his in the street and he declares it half. One says he's liable. That's a pit of the Torah. One says he's potter. So the Gemara turns right away. Isn't that's basically the machlok is in the Mishnah? They're just talking about the machlok is not known. The Gemara is initially thinking that it's a broad machlokas if the, if you leave your things in the street and declare them ownerless, are you chayv for bar? So the Gemara, no, leave your mayor liable. Please, according to our mayor, very, it's very clear you're liable. He plead a the rabbanon. They disagree within the view of the rabbanon. Ma'at the The one who said the owner is not liable, that's like the rabbanon. He's saying, look, the rabbanon holds bars only when you own it. It's the only way to be chayv and bars if you dig 
a pit in your yard, and then you're mafkir your yard, but not your pit. will tell you the point that we just made. I even like the cases here are different because you stumble. That's unavoidable. According to That's why mafkir after ones there the rabbanon pater. Your making of the pit was not negligent. Right, it just stumbled and it fell, and now if I'm after it, I'm not chayiv. I'm after the of the alma, but if I stop to clear my stuff ownerless, mechayiv, you would be chayiv. So if I stop put my thing in the street and I declare it ownerless, the rabbanon will agree that you're chayiv. The, the the one who's pottering here is saying the rabbanon, we're only pottering you. Because the stumbling was bonus, and that's what put the pit there, and now you're being mafkirid. Now it's only tafkir your potter. Okay, so basically what we're coming out is there's a machlokas, what the rabbanon shita is. Is it that they hold a broad thing in bar? Bar is only chayv when you're the owner of the pit. And the only case of bar would be chayv is where you dug it in your yard, and then you're mafkir your yard, but not your pit. Or no, rabbanon generally, if you dig a pit in the street, you're chayv. Or if you leave something in the street, you declare it ownerless, you're chayv. They're tafka saying here, where you stumbled and fell, and then you made it ownerless, then you're not chayv. So we had Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar who argued, but we didn't see which opinion said which way. So to stand Rabbi Lazar and the Merchayev, we should determine that it's Rabbi Lazar who said you're liable. A very famous statement in Shas. There are two things which technically shouldn't be owned. They're not in your possession. But the Torah treats them as, as if they are in your possession. These are them. A pit in the street. After six hours on Erev Pesach. What are we trying to say? What we're trying to say is really, if you think about bar, it's a pella. It's not your pit. You dig the pit. The Torah says the owner of the pit should pay. You're not the owner of the pit. Right? And what for your action, you just cause indirectly, indirectly for it to happen. It's the pit doesn't belong to you. No. The Torah says when you dig a pit, it's like you're the owner. So that lumdas clearly is saying that, well, that you don't have to own the pit. That the mamish is, is exactly saying this exact point. You don't have to be the owner of the pit to be chayv. If you make the obstacle, you dig the pit, the Torah says you are treated like the owner of the pit, even though you're not. So, so as Rabbi, that's what Rabbi Lazar is saying. Clearly, he's the one who holds that within the Rabbanon, generally, uh, you're high of, even if you don't own the pit. The only reason the Rabbanon were pottering here is because you fell through an unavoidable thing. So the other thing is Chamez Pesach, that's Gishmak, right? The Torah says you own it, but you can't own it. It's also Bahana. So how am I ever high for owning something on Pesach, owning Chamez on Pesach? I can't own it. It's uh, Bahana, and yet the Torah says I'm high for owning it. So it must be, the Torah is saying, despite the fact that it's also Bahana, somehow you're considered the owner. It seems that Rabbi Lazar actually holds the opposite. That, that, well, that if I'm not the owner of it, then I'm part Let's say there was some dung lying in the street. Right, guy? You go down to the park, there's a lot of horse dung over there. So you, if, you, if you go over and you turn it over in the street, and now you put it back down. Someone else got damaged, slipped on it and fell. So the one who picked it up is liable. That's what the Mishnah says. Why? Because it became your, your pit when you, put, you picked it up and put it back down into your pit. That's only because you tried, you had, if you had intent to acquire the dunk, who became yours. If you didn't have to acquire it, potter, then you're potter. So even though you picked it up and put it down, but if you didn't become the owner of it, then you're potter. So what's the shot? You're not responsible unless you own it. I'm a Mavkin Potter. I see that according to Rebbe Lazar, Mavkin is Potter. So it's a steer with us, Rebbe Lazar. Are you high for a pit if you're not the owner? The case is that you put it right back in the original position. So therefore, what's the point? It's not, the hazard is there, not because of you then. The hazard was there. You just put, picked it up and put it right back down. So if you had Kavana to own it, so then you're high because it's yours. But if you didn't Kavana to own it, and you just put it right back in the same spot. So in that, once it's back in the same spot, we don't say it's there because of you. We say it's there because of the original person who was negligent and left it there. 
But in a regular pay, case of, of putting a hazard in the street, even if you don't own it, you would be liable. So what we compare this to? Someone found an open pit. So he covered it. Then he uncovered it again. Who's liable? Reuven dug a pit, left it uncovered. Shimon covered it, then took his cover back. It's not Shimon who's liable. Reuven's liable. Why? What's the shot? Because the hazard is because of Reuven. Shimon took, removed the hazard. Then he removed the hazard in the sense that he covered it. Now he took away his cover. So Reuven's back to being Chayev. So to here, the one who left the gullah there is Chayev. I pick it up and put it right back down in the same spot. It's the first guy who's Chayev. Says the Gemara, it's not a good, it's not a good analogy. The cases aren't the same. When one person dug the pit and I covered it, I didn't remove his action. I just covered it. So when I remove the thing, so his action is back. But halacha in our case is someone who, who, who moved the dung is ta'aklu masurisho and the first action is totally undone. Once I picked up the dung, what's left from his action? Absolutely nothing. So when I put it back down, who made the pit? Me. And therefore I should be liable. If it's true that I'm liable for things, even if I don't own them, I should be liable. Really, if you want to think what it's analogous to, someone found an open pit and he filled it up with dirt. So he removed the pit. He taka removed the pit. He didn't cover the pit. He removed it. And then he dug again. That there, definitely the second guy would be, would be liable. And the first original action is gone. So the new pit becomes his responsibility. So now that we rejected this problem, and we rejected it, now the problem comes back. Previously, Rebbe Lazar was saying that, well, that, that, that uh, he, Barber Shusa, the Torah puts it in your possession, so you don't have to be the owner of it in order to be liable. So now for digging a pit, you're liable even if you're not the owner. Yet we see over here, Rebbe Lazar is saying that if someone picked up the dung and puts it back in the same spot, if you didn't have Kavanah to be Zolchanet, then, then he's, um, he's Potter. So why? So the case is he never picked it up more than three Tvachim. Therefore, while it was always considered attached to the ground. So since he only picked it up, it was less than three Tvachim, it was always considered like the first guy's actions were still there. So why did Rabbi Lazar do that then? We look at Rabbi Lazar, why did Rabbi Lazar understand the mission was talking about a case where the dung that was turned over was less than three talking with the ground, but therefore he limited and said the mission is only where it covered to be so but if you didn't intend to acquire, you're not liable. Why did he make it so complicated? Why didn't you just make it simple? Look one of the Why don't we just say the case of the mission is that he picked it up more than three? And therefore, even if you didn't intend to acquire it, he'd still be liable. Meaning, remember, what did the mission say? The mission said someone picks up the dung and puts it down, he's chayev. Rabbi Lazar told us a whole shtickle Torah. It's only if he had kavanah to be zolchanet. What told us that? Because, oh, we were talking about a case. Rabbi Lazar assumes he was picked up less than three tzvachim. <laughs> don't assume and don't make any restrictions. Just say it's a normal case. The guy picked it up more than three tzvachim, put it down, and then he'd be chayv even without kavanah to put it down. Since we're coming out there, Rabbi Lazar holds your chayv for bar even though you don't own it. So yeah, the only reason the mission was talking about was less than three tzvachim. Then it's only because you're going to be chayv if you had kavanah to pick it up. Why make a whole shtickle Torah? The language of the mission bothered him. Why did the mission say he turned it over? Let it say he picked it up. If he really picked it more than three tzvachim, he used the lashon ba. The language that he flipped it means that it always remained within three tzvachim. So the original mice of the bar was still there from the first person who left the dung there. So all you're doing is is, is flipping it. So therefore, unless unless you had kavana to be zochanet, you're going to be. Okay, so what are we coming out? Rabbi Lazar really is the one who owes a Yerchayev for Bar Bershus or Rabbim, even if it's totally ownerless. That's where we're coming out. Rabbi Yochanan was the one who was saying that you need to own it. So now they're coming out. Rabbi Lazar says that you're liable even if you don't own it. Rabbi Yochanan Potter must be Rabbi Yochanan is the one who says you're Potter unless you own the bar. 
someone hides a thorn or some glass in the street, or someone makes a fence which sticks into the street out of thorns, or a fence falls into the street because someone else's damage, any of these hazards, the owner of it is chayv to pay. That's what it says. Basically, your hazard gets left in the street, you're chayv. This is only true in the case of the fence of the thorns is where he stuck the thorns out into the street, meaning the tips of the thorns are mamish into public property. So therefore you put the hazard into the public property. But if you brought the thorns into your own property, Potter, you're not liable. Meaning, Rashi says, we think what that means is even if I relinquish the ownership of the area where the tips are protruding, so it makes it part of the street, but Lamaisa, but, um, but, but there I am Potter. So what's the chilek? What's the difference if it's protruding into the street or it was in my yard and I let the, and I let the public come into my yard? What's the difference? But Tom said, my time of Potter, why do Rabbi Yochan say you're not liable? Uh, why are you not liable if it was on your own property that you give to the public? What's the difference? The pshad is like this. I, I, here, in the, in, in the case where it was in your own property, so you dug it on your own premises, and then you allowed the premises to be to be ownerless, but you're keeping the pit for yourself. But Yochanan holds, you're not chayev in that case. You're actually mamish not chayev. The only case is where it's in the street, where it's, where it's not belong to you. The only case of a bar is where it doesn't belong to you. A case of a bar that does belong to you, you're takapot. Mamish the opposite. The whole bar is only when it's in the street ownerless. But a bar that I own and then I turn and let the public walk by, I have to, um, I, 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 I'm taka putter. Just to understand, it sounds like so backwards. I, I, until now, we're saying, okay, maybe you're only chayv on a bar that you own. Now we're coming out of a room where you can only chayv on a bar that you don't own. A bar that you own, and you let the problem, you know, you put the you put thorn bush and then you let the rob, the robin walk through your yard and someone got hurt in your thorn bush. There, definitely your putter. How could that be? So it must be the shot is because in such a massive, you're not really allowing the robin to walk through it any, in any way. You're allowing them to walk through at their own risk, like something like that. But anyways, again, that's Rabbi Yochanan's understanding. Without that, you could say, no, that's good for the case of bar in the Torah. You dug a pit in your yard and you let the, you let the public walk through your yard. What do we see from Rabbi Yochanan? Mamash the opposite. That that case of bar is potter. What is the regular case of bar? Only when I make it in, a, in an ownerless situation. I make it in the street. So we see Rabbi Yochanan is actually holding the opinion that an ownerless bar is the case of Chiv in the Torah. So we're getting all confused. First, we prove Rabbi Lazar was that opinion. Now we're proving Rabbi Yochanan was that opinion. But one of them was supposed to hold that bar is only Chiv if you own it. So Kamar explains, Really, Rabbi Yochanan, someone who declares his hazards ownerless is not liable. So what's the shot? And this guy who's not liable when in the case where the thorns were in his own yard, the fence is not a liability. It's not a pit in your yard. It's not normal for people to rub themselves against a wall. Meaning, when you have a thorn bush in your yard, the pshat is why your potter is not because you own it. The pshat why your potter is it's not why is a guy brushing up against it. So, in the case where I stuck the thorns out in the street, so it's kind of unavoidable that they're going to hit it. That's why I'm chayv. But where it's in my yard and I allow them to walk through my yard, why would you get so close to the thorn bush? And if you did, that's your fault. That's not my fault. That's the bar. It's not even a stumbling block for them. It's not really a bar for them. That's where Bilchum was saying you're potter. You're not potter because you own it. Really, in terms of ownership, if anything, that's the only case of the chiva of the Torah is where you own it. You're potter because why would a guy rub against the against the against my wall, against the thorn wall? Okay, so we go back to our initial premise. Rabbi Yochanan does not hold a person responsible for a bar which is ownerless. So, but there's a big problem. Big rules that Rabbi Yochanan always passes like a Stam Mishnah. What does the Stam Mishnah and Baba Kama hold about this issue? Somebody dug a pit in the street. An ox or donkey falls in and it dies. You're liable. Open Mishnah. 
that an ownerless pit you're chayv. Right? That's and that's always the pashtus. This new idea that maybe you're only chayv in a pit that you own. That's a mechudah shekatana. Maybe we'll learn about such an opinion on dafnun. But the pashtus of the tanoim, definitely the stam mishnah babagama is that an ownerless pit that you dig your chayv. And Rabbi Yochanan holds Allah is like stam mishnah. So how could we come out that it's only Rabbi Lazar holds your chayv for an ownerless pit? Rabbi Yochanan holds you're not chayv for an ownerless pit. You're only chayv for a pit that you own. The stam mishnah babagama says differently in Rabbi Yochanan paskins like stam mishnah. So the gemara flips. Rabbi Yochanan who says you're chayv for the ownerless pit. Rabbi Lazar is the one who says that you're only chayv for a pit that you own. But now we're going to have a steer in Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Yochanan chayv Rabbi Lazar for all my Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar said in the name of Rabbi Shmuel that So that's how we got before that Rabbi Lazar holds your chayv for an ownerless pit. But now they were saying Rabbi Yochanan holds the one you're chayv for the ownerless thing, and Rabbi Lazar does not. So how could Rabbi Lazar say there are two things that are not in your shoes and the Torah made it like it's in your shoes? So the Rabbi one statement for Rabbi Lazar was his own thing. One thing that he was saying was the name of his teacher. So meaning his own personal opinion is that you're not high for ownerless things. He was just quoting his Rebbe when he said, So let's just make a really quick summary of these opinions by Bar. And our Mishnah, that's how we got into this whole mess. Our Mishnah, we had there was two separate concurrent discussions. We have a guy who's walking down the street with his pitcher of water and 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 it breaks and there's and it's machlokas in the Mishnah of Yishayev or Pater. The one machlokas going on is that we're not sure if stumbling is a self-negligence. If stumbling is a self-negligence, so if damage happens at the time of the falling or before you could pick it up. So it depends. If Niska Poshehu, you're Chayev, that's Rameir. If Niska Laposhehu, Yehuda, then you're Pater. That's one machlokas. But then we realize there's also another machlokas. Stam, if a person declares his things ownerless in the street, is he Chayev for Bar or Pater for Bar? understand that machlokas is really a little bit of a broader, broader dispute. There's a general machlokas tanom. One tana says you're high for pits when you don't own them, when you stop you're digging them, and the tar considered like your insurance. One opinion says, no, you're only high for bar when you're the owner of the pit. So that could be one way to understand the machlokas. Tom, you left your mafia or something in the street after 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 you fell, and now you don't bother to pick it up. You declare it oh, no, so you're chai for potter. However, it could also be fine tuned that in general most people hold your chai if you don't own it. But here, but since you fell it was but onus, and then you declared it ownerless after the onus, maybe dafka there the rabbanon are saying your potter. Then the gemara got back to the broader dispute whether or not we say you're in general your chai for a pit that you don't own. The gemara said it was machlokas or bilchon rabbi lazar. But the mindset we're coming out really the overwhelming majority in Baba Kam are saying that you're chai for things that are ownerless that you just stomp the hazards in it. Maybe there's this one idea that your positive was an unavoidable onus that, that, that occurred and then you were mafkirit after that onus happened.